And welcome to the Monday Night Scores, the wrestling podcast covering the epic battle for rating supremacy between WWF Raw and WCW Monday Nitro. We relive the war skirmish by skirmish to decide which show we think should have won the fight for viewing figures that week. We then reveal which show actually did take the gold in the Nielsen ratings using our golden envelope. Last time out, we had a bumper episode that included a Survivor Series recap, and we've got another pay-per-view recap for you this time. One that'll have you waving a white flag to stop the onslaught as we cover WCW's World War III. We'll then see what the fallout was in the next round of the Monday Night Wars. But we'll start by introducing ourselves. I am one of your hosts, my name is Steve, and I am, as always, joined by a man who carries a small clamp in his glove box so that when he's finished filling up his car, he can squeeze every last drop of what he calls my petrol from the hose before he drives away. It's the one and only Nick Picker, Jim. I've seen him do that. How are you doing, Jim? <laughs> I'm, all right. well, I'm always looking forward to uh, seeing how I'm going to be introduced now on a, on a weekly basis. It's, uh, yeah, it's... It's all from bitter, bitter personal experience, Jim. I'm just recounting stories. Of course, of course. That, that was that was a good one as well. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, looking forward to it. Um, WCW on a bit of a bit of a hot streak going at the pay per view. So uh, yeah, yeah looking are. forward to seeing what they're gonna what they're gonna do there. Fantastic stuff. And I'm also joined by a man who can often be heard saying, "Por favor, no rompas mi mesta." Please don't break my table in Spanish. It's last Liam. All right, Liam. <laughs> All right, you okay? <laughs> yeah. It took, me, it took me a few attempts, though. I'm not, I don't think I've quite nailed the Spanish just yet, but I'll, I'll keep working at it. It's good it. enough. It's oh, good thank enough. you. Appreciate that. High praise coming from you. <laughs> <laughs> Right, well, looking up at the Monday Night Scoreboard, I can see Raw is a nose ahead with the scores at 5-4. Can Nitro bring the scores level today? Let's find out. All right, Jim, no need to get like that. I'll get you placed in history with some cultural reference points before you get all arsy. About time. Let's set the scene. The date is the 27th of November, 1995. This week, Toy Story, the first feature-length CGI film, was released in the States and went straight to the top of the US box office, grossing nearly $30 million and breaking Back to the Future Part 2's record for the highest-grossing Thanksgiving weekend debut. Blur's orchestral Britpop classic single The Universal topped the UK charts. Good song, not a patch on song too, though. And... In the Premier League, it was an absolute drawfest as eight of the weekend's ten fixtures ended with a draw, with Blackburn Rovers and Manchester City being the only two teams to taste victory. Sounds as exciting as a Hulk Hogan promo, that. Right, now I know what we're trying not to get too emotional at at the cinema, what we're listening to on our CD Walkmans, and what we're falling asleep to on a Saturday afternoon in front of Grandstand. Let's see how Vince and Eric are going to compete with that lot. There'll be Japanese mask manifestations of evil, Interim presidentially fined diesels, but still no bloody Stephen Regals. Let's get cracking. <laughs> and we kick off with a World War Three recap. Liam, take us through what happened. Another week, another pay per view to run through. I was, uh, I was all ready to to get the pipe and slippers out, diesel esque this week, and then <laughs> totally forgot that we had World War Three on the horizon. So. We are live from the Norfolk Scope in Norfolk, Virginia. Wow. Uh, and this time, WCW offers you World War Three as its monthly pay-per-view. This feels a lot like the uh, WWF pay-per-view, the Royal Rumble, where we all know that the main event is 30 men battling out in one ring. 
But in true WCW style, they have to try and go one further than that. Okay, so 30 men isn't enough for them. They're going along with a tagline, 60 men, three rings, three giants. As you have all been reminded of on a weekly basis on Nitro. (laughs) Thank you to the Taskmaster for that. (laughs) Excellent bit of uh, promotion and marketing. (laughs) Top job. The uh, the battle royal then on the uh, on the card the main events this is for the vacant world heavyweight title that we all know uh, the giant was stripped of following the disqualification debacle at Halloween Havoc last month we've had confirmation from WCW Commissioner Nick Bockwinkel that the winner of the battle royal at World War Three will claim this vacant heavyweight title so Get in Bockers <laughs> how is this going to work I'm not so sure we, we we've we've covered a, a battle royal not so long back. If you uh, if you, if you <laughs> yeah, like to remember, and that was yeah. that was a farce, wasn't it? <laughs> it was we just one of the worst things we've seen yet. Nevertheless, we'll go into this with an open mind, eh, fellas. <laughs> we'll do our best. <laughs> no promises. <laughs> so straight away, we are greeted by Tony Schiavone and Bobby Heenan, and we catch our first glimpse of the three rings in the background. And it's at this point, straight away, the alarm bells are going <laughs> off in my head. Thirty <laughs> seconds into the broadcast, we've got two in the background in pitch darkness. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's just there's no room for comms they're literally right next to ring one so <laughs> God knows what is going to go on when uh, when we get to the main event amazing um, Chivani informs us that his pick for the for the 60 man battle royal is Hogan before asking <laughs> him oh, well, outside the box there Tony yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> going out on a limb are you there Tony <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, so Shivani's pick is Hogan, uh, and he quickly asks Heenan who he fancies to come out on top. Heenan opts for Macho Man before quickly changes his mind to the Giants, before Ooh. again quickly changes his mind and going for Ric Flair. <laughs> so Shivani questions this indecision, and Heenan finishes with that. He'll just tell Shivani later who his final pick is. <laughs> That's great. Great, it was, it was good. Good, good, uh, good opener from from uh, the brain there. Yeah. Just right at the end as well, we get this absolute bombshell that Shivani drops that. The new US heavyweight champion, Kensuke Sasaki, will huh? defend the title as well on the card. When did that happen? Well, we, we, we find that out later oh, right, on, sorry, Steve. Sorry, right. It's, it's, it's not just before this pay-per-view either, so there's been, there's been a good length of time where, uh, where we should have been told about it. But anyway, <laughs> we know now, and okay. uh, Sasaki's he's putting the, uh, the, the belt on the line. <laughs> Can I just check here? Were any of these matches or any of those people were they mentioned on on, on Nitro? No, all, no. All, all I'm aware of is the the Taskmasters promo. Yeah, that's yeah, it. th- th- it's literally yeah. been the main event, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's literally. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That that seems to be the policy that Nitro have one silly gimmick and plug the hell out po- of it. Yeah, just just pouring all your time and effort into the, the, the main event. That's <laughs> yeah. it. Right, great. <laughs> Thanks for clearing that up because yeah. I was just. I was just—I was sat there watching it, thinking, "Have I missed something?" I know Nitro was boring last week, but surely, surely some of, some of these matches would have been plugged. Anyway, we cut straight to a Mean Gene promo, and he's joined by Hulk Hogan, Macho Man, and Stink. Hogan informs us that he's joined by his two best friends who have prevented him from going all the way over to the dark side. What is it with his best friends? Right, he was, in a, he was in a match. He was in a match last week with Stink. And he left Macho Man to get beat up by a giant sword. Hey, how he how he treats his enemies if these two are his best mates. <laughs> oh man! Oh, what a goo. Anyway, he uh, he informs the crowd and the viewers at home that the dark side is over now. And with this, he tosses his black bandana off and his black t-shirt, and he reveals the traditional red and yellow. As the camera pans out, 
Hogan's already wearing his red and yellow pants and boots. <laughs> so they've already seen it. So they, 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 they were not concealed. So the, the crowd would have had a, a really good guess at what was terrifying. coming before Hogan even spoke. So he had, he had the black vest on, the black oh, bandana, fantastic. but from the waist down, he had, he had the traditional red and yellow one. Anyway, oh. rather than donate these clothes to the local thrift shop, Sting, <laughs> Sting picks them up straight away, chucks them into a trash can and sets them on fire. <laughs> Settle down, Sting. Settle down. <laughs> that's what the Stinger thinks of, uh, of the uh, oh, of the my. evil. We get a, a fantastic reaction from Genie. I don't think this fire was supposed to be uh, as big as, as expected here because yeah, Gene's constantly on pins here. He's, <laughs> he's casting he's casting nervous glances over to this fire during the rest of the interview. And it's at this moment we uh, we briefly oh. catch the top of a crew member's head here, who is clearly as concerned as Gene, and they're trying to deal with this. But we just catch the top of their head in the camera shot that we get. Oh, what a shambles! Yeah, we're five minutes in. (laughs) Oh, wow. Best friends, burnt clothing, fire hazards. (laughs) Yep. You're you're up to date here. (laughs) They got this crew member trying to to deal with this progressively, you know, out of hand fire. Stink extinguishes the flames with some water in the end to the relief of me and G. And then we get some gems from Hogan here. He informs Sting that he wants to be his best friend forever. He then informs the audience that Macho Man is not injured and this was all part of the plan. Okay, and he's, he's got a piece of paper in his hand at this point and he keeps referring to this as the rag sheet. Okay, he said, he, he said, he said the rag sheets don't have a clue and it's a dinosaur compared to the internet as the internet has got the scoops. He's putting the internet over. I want to be best <laughs> yeah, he wants to be best friends forever. Yeah. Not Savage, though. Savage <laughs> stood back there as well. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah, Take it, I'll leave it with you, Macho Man. Savage always has a place in Hogan's heart. <laughs> Big in the internet up here, back in 95. It's got all the scoops. The only thing uh, Hogan's ever put over. The internet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and with this, Hogan turns to the crowd. He turns off the vest before going all Hulk and then cupping his ear and pointing to the crowd. So we're straight into match one. And we've got Diamond Dallas Page going up against Johnny B. Bad ah, for, uh, for the TV title match and, as we're told, the services of the Diamond Doll. Or they're, they're at stake, right? They're at stake, yeah, both on the line, okay? So this is a rematch from the, uh, the opening contest on the Halloween Havoc pay-per-view, if you can remember, yeah, where, where Bad was able to, to defeat Diamond Dallas Page, claim the TV title. Um, and I remember saying at the time, it was a good match, decent match, the crowd pops to it. Yeah. Just a little bit surprised with this one because it's obviously Eddie Guerrero that's been going up against Johnny B. Bad uh, quite recently. Had a really good match with him on Nitro the other week. Our match of the year in the New Year's Honours uh, Awards. Um, and it would have been just you know a nice finisher to that that little bit of a, of a feud there yeah, to, to see another contest between those two. But nevertheless, we, uh, we got a great match from these last time. So hopefully we won't be disappointed. So a couple of things of, of note in this match. So uh, we've got Diamond Dallas Page playing the uh, the heel card superbly. At one point, he grabs the Diamond Doll. He hides behind her to stop Johnny B. Bad throwing punches towards him. <laughs> Great chicken shit behaviour yeah, from Page. Awesome. Diamond Dallas Page, he's calling for the ratings card constantly. Uh, he's what he wants, that 10. Diamond Doll <laughs> refuses to do this. Not, not happy with Diamond Dallas Page at the moment. But she does award a 10 plus to Johnny B. Bad for just a, a you know an orthodox clothesline. So blimey, I wasn't happy with that. Yeah, blimey, that's wow. that seems. But uh, all the way through this, Johnny B. Bad is, is is really over at the moment with the crowd. Um, the the love in this, um, and just to note here that the the, the comms were all over this match. Shivani was just you know move after move, just 
pulling this out, calling this superbly. Mongo wouldn't have had a clue here at all. The <laughs> golfing class between these two is light years apart. Yeah. The finish we get then, Johnny B. Bad, he, he hits Diamond Dallas Page to the head, which leads to, to Diamond Dallas Page falling out the ring. Bad then hits the bad mood, which is like a slingshot sent on bomb onto nice. Diamond Dallas Page on the outside. He rolls him back into the ring. He gets onto the apron again, executes a slingshot leg drop back over the ropes onto Diamond Dallas Page, wow. covers him and gets the pinfall, returns the title and the services of the Diamond Doll. Yes, blimey. Mm. This is a superb opener to the, uh, the card again. Really impressed with that. And from there, we cut to a Mean Gene promo. We're back with Mean Gene, who's trying to uh, stick the knife into the competition. He's telling viewers that there is more news concerning the WWF and its steroid scandal. He's plugging the hotline. Viewers right. can call in and find out the latest. <laughs> Charging for it again, scandal, isn't it? <laughs> Absolute scandal. He loves a bit of a salacious scoop, doesn't <laughs> yeah, he, Mean Gene? Yeah, some, some dirty shenanigans here, trying <laughs> to bring up the steroid scandal. <laughs> He's interviewing Johnny B. Bad and the Diamond Doll straight after the match. Uh, Johnny B. Bad offers the Diamond Doll the chance to be his manager. I think that was a bit confusing. I think that, that was the whole point of the uh, the, the match. Though. You, that's, that's been settled, that. You know, you don't have to do that. <laughs> but the Diamond Doll's going to mull this over. She's going to make a decision on uh, on Nitro tomorrow. Back in the ring, then, we've got our next match on the card. We've got Big Bubba Rogers going up against Hacksaw Jim Duggan in a tape fist match. God, Christ. All right, first of all, f- first of all, here. How on earth has Jim Duggan convinced Derek Bischoff to give him pay-per-view time? <laughs> he knows something. He's got leverage. He's, yeah. He's got something on Bischoff here because he should be nowhere near a pay-per-view. Um, but obviously that we, we then remember it was Duggan who tripped uh, Big Bubba last week on Nitro. That's true, of course. During of course that absolute comedic contest with Hawk, which led to obviously Big Bubba falling and clubbing himself. So <laughs> This is obviously the, uh, the aftermath from that. <laughs> Jesus. Shivani explains that Jim Duggan recently traced his roots in Ireland. So obviously that was <laughs> oh, the reason. The holiday. That was the reason he went over to Ireland to, to trace his roots. I'm still devastated that we didn't get any comedic footage from this. I know. That's there's surely there's know, surely got to be something knocking about on the network. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just, I'm sending a play out here now to the uh, to the listeners. If any of you listeners have managed to get your hands on Jim Duggan goes to Ireland, then please tweet us at TMN Scores. That's TMN Scores. Fingers crossed we get something back. Oh, I would love it. <laughs> Anyway, in this match then, so Jim Duggan, he, he comes down to the ring with his two by four. It's on a rope and it's attached around his neck for some reason. I mean, it's not easy to, to misplace a two by four. Yeah, it's not like it's a, it's not a thimble, is it? It's not a thimble, Jim Duggan. It's a, it's a massive piece of wood, mate. You don't need it swinging from your neck. And he's clearly misunderstood the concept of this tape fist match because the taping on both arms finishes at his elbows. So no idea what's going on there. Don't leave him. You know, unsupervised again, WCW, you can't do this. Anyway, it's, it's, uh, it's during this match that we get, the, uh, we get, our, we get our first glimpse of the, the wrestlers going into the other rings on show. And no, there's no surprise that Jim Duggan's leading the way on this. So we quickly go in from ring one to two to three. The referee, the cameraman, they're doing their very best to keep up with this, but it's absolute <laughs> carnage. One moment, Big Bubba Rogers is, is clotheslined over the ropes and uh, very nearly lands on Bobby the Brain Heaton because of how close he is to the uh, the ring. So you know, imagine in, in a couple of hours when he's got you know 20, 20 wrestlers flying over the top, he's gonna have to he's gonna have to vacate that location. I think he may need to rethink that. Anyway, it wasn't a great match, this. Uh, probably the worst on the card, if I'm being honest. The finish we got, um, VK Wall Street, he, uh, he he heads down to the ring. He's got a metal chain in his hand. He tosses it into Bubba when the ref isn't looking. Duggan goes over to Wall Street, hits him with a 2 by 4 
And while he's doing this, Bubba's wrapping this chain around his wrist. Duggan turns around and he's he's uh, he's dealt an uppercut with the uh, the chained fist there. The ref counts out Duggan. Okay, so Bubba wins by knockout there. He gets the uh, the ten counts, Duggan. So he's out. Our next match on the card, we've got uh, a women's tag match featuring some uh, Japanese wrestlers. Nice. So kind of similar to what we got on uh, on on WWF at Survivor Series. So we've got QT Suzuki and Mayumi Osaka going up against Bull Nagano and Akira Hakuto. Great names. So, Mike Tanay has joined the comms team here, so he's clearly the WCW's cultural attaché. <laughs> but he's quite impressive in, in, in some of the information he's, he's reading off here towards the uh, the wrestlers. He's, he's, he's filling us in on the gaps in terms of the age of the, the wrestlers, the ring experience, the rivalries, the finishing moves. He tells us that Akira Hakuto is married to Kensuke Sasaki. Ah, um, right. Very so good. you know it's what's what's what we need when we don't know you know Absolutely any of the correct, any yeah. of the wrestlers correct way of doing it. Yeah, um, we get we get a natural introduction to the to the wrestlers as well. We get the the names and the titles at the bottom, which is a marked improvement yeah, on exactly. the coverage we had at Survivor Series. Bull Nagano, she uh, she demonstrates her physicality throughout this contest. She uh, suplexes both Sasaki and uh, Osaki in one spot. Uh, she pulls the, a moonsault out at another moment. Quite impressive, really. Um, and the finish we get in this, Bull has Osaki on her shoulders while her partner, Akuto, goes up top. Akuto clotheslines Osaki. She lands quite viciously on her neck, to be honest. Looked nasty here. Bull then covers, but the pin is broken up by Sasaki, who's gone, got back in the ring. Uh, the heel throw her out to the outside once more. Hakuto scoop slams Sasaki while Bull goes up top once more. This time she lands a guillotine leg drop that looked absolutely brutal. Covers uh, Osaki and gets the 1-2-3. Good entertainment served up here. Something yeah, different, very refreshing, easy on the eye. It woke the crowd back up after that that dismal uh, <laughs> tape fist match. Uh, yeah, enjoyed it. You know, I think we've seen some some quality wrestling from the uh, from the Japanese wrestlers over the past couple of weeks, and and again, here not disappointed at all. Yeah, superb. So from here, guess where we go? Back to Mean Gene, surely. We we cut straight to another Mean Gene promo. <laughs> He's in his this time. Night, he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah. You need the night off again tomorrow. <laughs> So this time, Mean Gene, he's with a giggling Jimmy Hart and Lex Luger. God, Gene oh. calls Jimmy Hart a twerp. <laughs> and th- this next segment had me absolutely creased for a long time. I had to pause it and, and re-watch <laughs> it. It was absolutely so funny. So Jimmy Hart is playing up Luger's chances in the Battle Royal later on, as he's got the looks, the size, the ability, and of course, the mouth of the South by his side. Luger puts his hand up in the air, to high-five Jimmy Hart here in appreciation of these accolades chucked his way. But Hart ignores this and turns to taunt the crowd. So Luger, Luger leaves his arm up for a few seconds, praying that Jimmy will turn around and reciprocate this gesture. But he's forced to reluctantly withdraw his hands oh, in this public no. custard no. pie. It was absolute genius from Jimmy Hart. So Amazing. funny. Oh, that's painful. <laughs> Just oh, slowly, nice. slowly withdrawing it. <laughs> Scandalous Lex Luger. Oh, God. Then if things couldn't get any worse for Lex Luger and he couldn't look any more pathetic, he starts to reel off his bit, but he's clearly reading from an idiot board that someone has got off screen. (laughs) He's not even hiding the fact that he's doing this. So he's further enhancing his newly awarded accomplishments of biggest killer at our New Year's Honor show. This was abysmal, honestly. (laughs) You need to watch this just to believe this. It's shocking. You can just see his eyes scanning the board as well. It's it's so bad. It's Incredible. so bad. Made even better with that uh, that public humiliation from Jimmy Hart. Superb. 
From this, we uh, we head back into the ring. We've got our next contest. We've got Chris Benoit going up against Kensuke Sasaki oh, nice. for the US heavyweight title match. Benoit comes out with a four-horseman gesture just to remind us once again that he is part of this stable as the WCW did absolutely nothing to promote this move on Nitro the other week. Sasaki comes out with his manager, Sonny Ono. Leather jackets and cycling shorts have now gone. He's fully acclimatised to Western society and he looks <laughs> like he means business. We get some classic xenophobia here from the crowd. They just start booing Sasaki, even though we know Benoit is part of this massive heel stable. Heenan tells the viewers that this is the best four horsemen lineup of all time. You've got the knowledge of Fleur. You've got the tag team ability of Double A. You've got the aerialness of Fly and Brian. I nearly said Fry and Brian then. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you would. (laughs) (laughs) And then Benoit has it all. And do you know what? I tend to agree with you here, Bobby. This this is a solid lineup now. We can we can get rid of uh, the cartoony uh, the heel factions we've got now, and we've we've got a serious we've got a serious stable here. So hopefully we get more of this. Sasaki demonstrating his his power throughout this and his in ring ability. We've commented on this on the uh, on the previous episodes of Nitro. He's tossing Benoit around like he's he's some hapless jobber. <laughs> we get another sighting of the tombstone. This time Benoit executes it, but Does only he? for a two yeah only for a two count. Bloody hell! Uh, and then we also get the uh, our first sighting of the the flying headbutt from Benoit as well from the uh, from the top turnbuckle. Mm. Look good this Heenan. In a clear tribute to Mongo, who sadly can't be with us uh, tonight, uh, pronounces Susaki as Suzuki in a uh, off moment for Bobby, but I thought that was a nice touch, you know. Mongo would have been sat at home proud of that that uh, that little slip. Um, but but the finish we get here, uh, Benoit whips Susaki into the ropes. Um, he hits him with a clothesline that Saki no sells. Suzaki then uses this to bounce into the ropes himself and then dishes out a big clothesline to Benoit. Uh, he picks Benoit up off the mat and then sets him up into a brain buster and that's enough to get the pinfall. Nice. That gets the one, two, three. Uh, and what I do like about this with Suzaki successfully defending this, this US title, it, it means we get to see a little bit more of him as well. And going off what we've seen so far, you know, he's been very impressive. So I don't mind that whatsoever. And Bobby Heenan, he redeems himself here from his, uh, his earlier slip. Um, at the very end of the match, the camera zooms into Susaki, who's clearly, um, you know, he's made up, he's, he's, he's been able to defend the title. Uh, he's lifting the title in the air. He's shouting something in Japanese down the camera, only for a split second. And when asked for a translation, Bobby Heenan then comes out with this long, uh, long-winded spiel about how Susaki says he's going to be the champion for a long time. He's going to retire a happy man and then he's going to win the 60-man battle royal later on. Pure pure comedy goal yeah, from here and there because it literally was lit about four things that, that, that left Sasaki's mouth but uh, <laughs> he didn't, he didn't uh, well, serve that Bobby. gem up <laughs> so we're back with Mean Gene once again Blimey. just in case you've forgotten what he looks like uh, <laughs> this time he's with the giant Kevin Sullivan and uh, once again Jimmy Hart Gene tells the giant that his father would be ashamed with how he's been conducting himself on Nitro. I mean, I think he's referring to his promos there, isn't he? In the, his overall wrestling ability, I think, though. Um, Jimmy Hart refers to Hogan, Savage and Sting as the Free Stooges and that the Dungeon of Doom isn't afraid of them and will walk, they won't go uh, running and hiding. Um, and there's only one man that wears a red and yellow around here and that's the Taskmaster. That's old yellow. (laughs) That's incorrect because Sting had red and yellow on last week as well. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Jimmy, you're better than that. Come on, lad. We've seen Benoit in red and yellow as well when he had the yellow pants with the red star (laughs) on his arse. Anyone anyone can wear red and yellow. Mongols, I think, pretty sure has worn red. (laughs) Pepe, we've gone for a while. (laughs) Bollocks. During all of this, you've got the giant in the background pulling some ridiculous faces. Trying to convince everyone that he's going to grind their bones to make his bread or whatever. <laughs> so it's so bad. This so so comedic. I don't know what he's doing. 
And if things couldn't get any worse, he, he, he decides to jump on the mic. Uh, and, he, and, and he gives us a sneak peek here of his, uh, his literary genius. He delivers a poem direct to Hulk Hogan about his oh. chances tonight. And it goes something like this. He, go, he goes with a line. Roses are red. Violets are blue. I'm going to kick your butt to Kalamazoo. <laughs> yeah, wow. I mean, wow. Did he steal that from uh, Oscar Wilde or something? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that... That needs to be published. It, it needs does. to be published somewhere. Well, we're yeah. near, what's the Valentine's link? We're, nowhere near, we're in November. I don't know, but uh, on further research, Kalamazoo's a city in Michigan as well, so it's nowhere near where, where we are at the moment. <laughs> but he's obviously had blue written down in the uh, in the notes. And he's, he's trying to think of locations, isn't he, to fit that rhyming scheme. So he, he's, he's gone down the list. And he's, he, the first one that's fitted in is it's Kalamazoo. If it had continued to scroll down the list further... This was surely a chance to get in Katmandu. It would have been a couple, couple, a couple of items further down, and we would have got the birthplace, of the insurance policy plugged in. But nevertheless, he's missed his chance. Sir. Fantastic. From oh, this, we head back to uh, comms, and uh, Chivani's plugging Starcade '95, which is the following month's pay per view. We get a graphic for this that pops up on the screen. It tells us that uh, Starcade is going to be on Sunday, the 27th December. But Shivani corrects this and says it's not. It's on a Wednesday night. <laughs> what? That's criminal. Sort that out, lads. That's you, criminal. What? Just look at the calendar. It's not a guessing game. Just look, look at when the 27th of December and sort out the promotion for this. <laughs> That's absolutely oh, that is criminal. Couldn't believe this. Unbelievable. It. Unbelievable. <laughs> it's incredible. Anyway, from oh, this... Oh. We head back into the ring. We've got match four on our card and we've got the macho man going up against Lex Luger. This is another rematch from Halloween Havoc and we get a quick recap of how this rivalry started where we have the macho man correctly predicting that the Dungeon of Doom would recruit the services of Lex Luger and Jimmy Hart. And do you know what? He was spot on. He was, yeah. And, and it got me thinking, you know, Vince McMahon was wrong when he said Shawn Michaels was Mr. Clairvoyant because he nowhere near possesses the level of telepathic skill Savage has here. Absolute <laughs> genius from Savage, this. So maybe maybe he knows the winner of the uh, the Battle Royal already, you know? I'm sure he does, yeah, he must do. And anyway, as the recap ends, we uh, we head to Mean Gene again, fuck me, uh, who is with, he's with the macho man and he's asking him about his arm. And I, I'm a bit confused at this point because obviously Hulk's, Hulk mentioned earlier on that the macho man isn't injured. It's and a ruse, yeah. He's... It's still heavily bandaged, so I, I don't know. I'm not sure where we are up to here with if he's injured or not. You know, Hogan's Hogan's bellowed out early doors that he isn't injured. Yeah, he's giving away. Yeah, the Hogan's finish. let the cat right <laughs> out the back. Bischoff was trying to build loads of intrigue about it last week. Hogan first thing on the show. Nice, no, he's, he's fine. So if he, yeah, if he isn't injured, to get all this all this bandaging off, Macho Man. But I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, Lex Luger enters alongside Jimmy Hart, who has the megaphone out. He's spouting his usual down. It absolutely quality from Hart yeah. here. As per usual, absolute shithouse uh, behaviour. Brilliant. So good as a heel. Good so to see. Good. Yeah, lovely. Um, we're told by comms as well here that Lex and Sting are going to be joining forces on tomorrow's Nitro in a tag team match. But all the way through this, I think it was you, Jim, a couple of weeks ago that uh, that said Lex Luger's probably one of the biggest job guys in the organisation. And it was the same here. He, he, he barely offered any offense at all during the whole of this. He's um, dire, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he's so bad. So bad. But the, the finish we got anyway... As I mentioned, Luger barely been involved in the contest. He manages to get uh, Savage in the torture rack outside the ring. He drops Savage 
so that the, the referee's just on the verge of counting them out. Luger rolls back in, so the ref has to restart the count. Savage crawls back into the ring, uh, and as soon as he's in the ring, Luger uh, gets him in an, an armbar submission, and, and Savage taps. That's it. That's what we get. It must have been a bad way for the Battle Royal coming up then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, and, 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 if, and if you've got Hulk Hogan pointing out that your, your arm's you know, fine, it's, it's all been part of the plan, then it didn't take long for Savage to tap when, uh, when that same arm was put in a submission hold. So. Clarity's an issue here, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, which, Hulk Hogan does what he wants. Does yeah. what he wants. <laughs> <laughs> the water's about as murky as it gets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, always, always with Hulk Hogan. <laughs> anyway, when the match finishes, uh, Luger is refusing to drop the submission hold and we've got Jimmy Hart skipping gleefully around them both. He's doing his, he's doing his circling bastard. act again. Um, that's until Sting comes running out the back. Uh, he slides into the ring. He, he leans right into Lex Luger and he manages to convince him to drop the hold. Uh, he's pretty good at this, isn't he, Sting? Yeah, he's, uh, he's got a rail neck, doesn't he? Yeah. He's like a, a wrestling whisperer, isn't he? You know? <laughs> He's got a good element of persuasion, convinces everyone to do what he wants. So. He's got a job lined up as a hostage negotiator when he packs this wrestling lark in. So Luger drops, drops the hold there and the, uh, the, the head into the back. We don't head back to Mean Gene here, surprisingly. We go straight into Blimey. our next match and we've got Ric Flair going up against Stink. Awesome. Uh, we get a recap of these two going at it since the, the start of the Monday Night Wars, really, if you remember. Yeah, uh, yeah, the, yeah. When we were back in the Mall of America, <laughs> we, we, we got this on the opening uh, episode of Nitro, don't we? Yeah, we used to. And it was at last month's pay-per-view where, obviously, Flair turned his back on. Uh, he's then tag team partner Sting and rejoined the, uh, the Four Horsemen. We get a pre-recorded interview here from Sting explaining that he only dropped the Scorpion Deathlock on Nitro a few weeks ago because the right person at the right time got in his ear. But this time, that's not going to happen. He's not going to drop this submission hold. Remember that, okay? He's not going to drop this submission yeah, hold. understood. Yeah, keep it on. We, uh, we find... Him. He'll keep <laughs> yeah, it on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the battle royal is going to be going on around him. Yeah, we might not, you might not get the battle royal. We might not get the battle royal. <laughs> that is in jeopardy. We've got a curfew here, lads, on the arena, so... Uh... <laughs> got we it. Find out, we find out here that... Uh, that Sting lost the heavyweight championship to Kensuke Sasaki in, in Japan over a week ago. So when he went up against Hogan on Nitro last week, he'd already lost it, but we wasn't told anything no, about it on Kong. So at least they've told us tonight, eh? That's, that's the main thing. <laughs> yeah. Sting massively over with the crowd when he enters. Uh, what I did laugh at, though, in the, in the midst of all this pop for Sting, there was just a lone guy with a sign uh, that said, Sting is a chump. <laughs> Four horsemen rule. Just in the, just in the middle of all this, all this, uh, all this theatrics towards it, which I did crack up at. <laughs> and then during this, we get we just get the four gorilla press slams from Sting. Uh, this match, just he's the obviously four. tired out. Just the four this week. Again, Heenan and Shivani, great all the way through this. Little digs at one another. That's um, great. WCW need to sort something out here and get Shivani on on Nitro comms because oh, this, God, this was don't superb. They, don't they just? Good tempo throughout this contest. Uh, Fleur's been he's been working the leg for the majority of the match. Sting manages to get him up top on top on the top turnbuckle. It's a, a nice vertical suplex, and then puts the uh, the Scorpion Deathlock on, and then and then Fleur That's taps. on. That's it. That's, That's it, it for the there night. There we go. There we go. I'll go home now. Then Fleur taps in for the night. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sting gets the victory. You know, and, and and true to his word, he keeps Fleur in the Scorpion Deathlock for about twenty seconds, and then he drops it <laughs> and makes his way out the ring. That sign, that sign bloke was right. Sting is a chump. <laughs> he knew. It wasn't the clairvoyant macho, was it? it wasn't him with the sign. <laughs> Mr. Clairvoyant. No, no one knew this one. And then we, uh, we head to our main event, gentlemen. Strap yourselves in. So we're here. We're, we're at the 60-man battle royal. So, first of all, we get a run through the rules and stipulations of the battle royal. Go on. Uh, the narrator tells us, 
and at last revealed some information regarding <laughs> yeah. the free giants tagline. Yeah. Because we have been wondering about this, haven't we? You know, we know it's sixty men. We know there's free rings, but the free giants part. Yeah. We've, we've, yeah. we've been a bit, you know, none the wiser. We've been querying that. So anyway. What this means is that there'll be a giant featured in each ring. So in, in one ring, we have the giant, Andre's son. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. In ring two, we have the giant of the wrestling world, Hulk Hogan. Right. <sighs> okay. We have kind of predicted that, didn't we? Yeah, uh... we accepted that. And in the last ring, the final giant is going to be the Yeti. So the Yeti <laughs> oh, is back. brought the Yeti back. He brought him back. He's been ingratiated into American society from uh, <laughs> yeah, which, where's he been? having spent years in the wild, or his entire life in the wilds of Katmandu. It's just cruel now. making him wrestle, isn't it? It's like, it's like a blood spot. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, to be fair, I know why they haven't mentioned him as the last giant on, on, the, on the plug for this on Nitro, because yeah. there'd be no one buying this paper. No buying it. <laughs> Has he still got his bandages on? Is he, is he still oh, a we'll get, we'll, we'll, we'll oh, get right. to that. Sorry, we'll, sorry. We'll, we'll get to that. Right. Don't you worry about that. Steve. We'll get to that. God. So, so we, we, we've had that, that part of the, uh, of, the, of the tagline cleared up. So we've got two giants in Hulk Hogan. Understood. We head back into the ring to David Penzer, who's going to introduce us to our 60 men. Okay. And they literally just start pouring out from the back one by one. Yeah. So this is going to take a bit of time, isn't it? Jesus. It, it is like a 60-man conga line, isn't it? It's, like, <laughs> yeah. it's exactly what it is. <laughs> I thought we'd get, you know, one or two entrance musics here, but but no, no, not at all. You've literally got 60 men just walking out <laughs> from the back. So our 60 participants are Arn Anderson, Alex Wright, Brian Nobbs, Ricky Santana, Squire David Taylor, who's the, who's the British heavyweight champion. Right, understood. Scott Armstrong, Sting, Jumping Joey Max, Pistol Pez Watley. <laughs> come on, come on now. No, Disco no, Inferno, Meng, Stevie Ray, Mark Starr, Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker, Lieutenant James Earl, Lex Luger, Eddie Guerrero, Cobra, The Giants, Mr. Wonderful, Chris Canyon, Bobby Walker, Earl Robert Eaton, Chris Benoit, Macho Man, Marcus Bagwell, the Yeti, who, <laughs> Steve, is not donning the bandages. He's come out dressed as Scorpion from the from Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Honestly, he, he's nearly a hundred percent identical to Scorpion. I mean, did, did they not learn from Al Snow? <laughs> this doesn't work. God knows what's happening here. Oh man. Kurosawa, Hugh yeah. Morris, or Hugh Morris, yeah. who knows? The Zodiac, <laughs> VK Wall Street, Diamond Dallas Page, Scott Norton, Flying Brian, Sergeant Craig Pittman, One Man Gang, Super Assassin One. <laughs> God, no, no. Right. <laughs> Hang on. Hang on. I know. Just making them up. Oh, there's still some gems left yet. <laughs> Bunk, Bunkhouse Book. Kinsuki Sasaki. Nice. Mike Winner. Hey. <laughs> him. That's him. Michael Winner, the fucking guy. <laughs> I thought, it, I thought it, it was the creepy director bloke. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was Maniac Mike and they just referred to him as Mike Winner. That was his wrestling name. Mike Winner. Um, we, get the, we get the shark, but they refer to him as the 500 pound shark, which I thought was a bit rude. They tell us about his weight. <laughs> Steve Armstrong, Hawk, Dave Sullivan. So I read a bit into this. Apparently, it's Kevin's dyslexic brother. 
Oh no! That's what it actually said. That's what it actually says. That's why it established that. That's clearly dyslexia part. They, they, they clearly run out of uh, oh, they run no. out of options here. Kev, Kev, you've been promoting this. Anyone, anyone, you know? Yeah. Our uh, Dave, our Dave, Dave. Really dyslexic. We don't have to mention that. Yeah. <laughs> but surely that won't have any impact in the ring. No, it won't. But best, best make it clear. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyway, we're, we're not finished yet. We've got we've got Scotty Riggs, Johnny B. Bad, <laughs> Mister JL, Big Train Bart. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be happy at this next one, Steve. Lords, Steve and Regal. Finally, finally, <laughs> I didn't see it. <laughs> Dirty Dick Slater, <laughs> Max Muscle, <laughs> Super Assassin Two. <laughs> Why didn't they come out together? <laughs> together? Fidel Sierra, the Taskmaster, Jerry Sags, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, <laughs> Booker T. Big Bubba Rogers, Ric Flair, and last but not least, Hulk Hogan. Can I just point out? Just, just what what they said was sixty men, three rings, three giants. Right? No, it isn't. It's fifty-seven men, three rings, three giants. You uh, assumed my role as a nitpicker there. There's only room for one nitpicker on this uh, on this <laughs> Sorry, show. Come you're on, dead right, Liam. It's gimmick infringement. It's pure gimmick infringement there. <laughs> yeah. So, guys, they are, they are your participants. And straight away, we can draw a line through about 53 of those. Shall we? <laughs> oh, yeah. We are not seeing Big Train Bart or Dirty Dick Slater <laughs> winning this battle royale. Big Train You don't think Bart. Jerry Sags is taking the gold, though? No, nah. he, he, he may as well just jump over the rope straight away. <laughs> Utter chaos proceeds then, gentlemen. <laughs> well, yeah, Kelsa Breeze, eh? It's the nicest way I'm, I can put this. <laughs> this was uh, I, I watched this segment of the of the uh, of the pay per view, and this was just fucking diabolical, wasn't it? <laughs> we get a three way split screen of each ring, and the comms kind of like jump from from one ring to another. So you know, every every couple of seconds, we've got bodies everywhere. We've, we've got no clue what's going on. Um, and I'll, obviously, I know the listeners at home can't see this, but lads, just to give you a peace of mind here about this format. Um, just take a look at this. Jesus. Oh, fuck me. Ah, it's like... That, that's, that's, the, that's the view we get at home. So look at that. Back in the day, you'd have been watching this, or most people, on like a, you know, 16-inch telly or something, like in super low definition. Like, what's... The, it's like a fucking swarm of bees. I mean... It's atrocious, isn't it? That's awful. It's absolutely atrocious. That's, yeah. that's so worse, was... than, worse than I thought. Christ. It was quite it was quite hard to, to to keep track of what was going on to be. It was impossible. It wasn't quite I mean, quite hard. It was fucking impossible. <laughs> yeah, couldn't have done it. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll cut to the chase here, fellas. <laughs> so the Yeti is is eliminated almost instantly. Within seconds. Within seconds, yes, it's gone. <laughs> One of the giants gone. <laughs> From what I could have gathered, there was there was only Mike Mike Winner who was eliminated before him. So he's a, he's a second second guy out. Right. Couldn't see Michael Winner lasting long in there though, could you? That <laughs> no. okay. I got off all them. Calm down, dear. It's only a yeti. That was good. That was good. That one. But yeah, the the, the yeti. He, he's been a he's been a, an integral selling point of this main event. You know, part of this free giants tagline. Yeah. He, he's he's eliminated almost instantly. Um, Even Michael Winner sharing a taxi home. Yeah. <laughs> Bandages have gone. He's com- <laughs> completely thawed out, so he's probably just gonna go and chill out in the back somewhere now. You know, enjoy enjoy living in Western society. I think. 
<laughs> I mean, he's not he's he's not lasted longer than jokers such as Pez Watley or Mike Starr, Disco Inferno. <laughs> Pez Watley. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> the dispenser, Pez Watley. <laughs> <laughs> I'm struggling here to just identify who, who's, who's wrestling who oh, at the moment. Sir. Of course you are. I get a, I get a Jim Duggan, hey at one point, but I can't tell what ring he's in. <laughs> you, just hear, you just hear him above everyone. Oh, what a shambles. <laughs> what an utter shambles. What an entirely predictable shambles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what were they expecting here, though? <laughs> 60 men. <laughs> um, I mean, oh, at one point the the hard camera we get a good we got a good shot of of uh, the giants grappling with Meng at one point, which didn't make sense because obviously the dungeon of doom had been on about like how they're going to guarantee the title. We'll stick together, fellas. Don't <laughs> yeah. don't, don't don't just sack your strategy off straight away. Um, and there's, there's there's clearly a lot going on because even Eric Bischoff at, at one point he uh, he gets all confused and, and 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 refers to a wrestler being called the Minga, which is probably a love child of. <laughs> Sting and Meng, which I thought was <laughs> not, not an attractive prospect at that. <laughs> Heenan questions why the Dungeon of Doom are not working together, and you're dead right, Bobby. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm, I'm clueless as well. There's loads of them, you know, yeah. obviously. Um, you know, they'd be more, much more effective if they if they stuck together. Yeah. And what happens here is when when one ring gets down to its last ten wrestlers, those ten have to empty then into ring one. What is is what happens? Yeah, that's what happens. So, so, so if you still had twenty six in ring one, you, you were having another ten more as well. That that's what was going down. Anyway, let's let's just let's just get to the end of this. Painful. We're down to our last six. We've got Hogan, Savage, Giant, Sting, Luger, and one man gang. I don't know how he's made it to the to the very end. <laughs> one man uh, gang's got within touching distance. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was very strange. Um, but uh, Hogan and Macho, they're trying to eliminate one man gang on one side of the ring. They're trying to push him over the ropes. Yeah. Luger and Stinger trying to eliminate the Giants on the adjacent ropes. So Stinger and Luger, they've hit consecutive clotheslines in an attempt to knock the Giants over the ropes. This isn't working. So they're both having to, to lean against the ropes to try and lift him over. Hmm. Hogan spots this from the other side of the rink. He's quickly over, seizes this opportunity, pushes all three men over the ropes. The man who wants to be best friends forever with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's no best friends in this, uh, in this battle royal gym. They go, no. they go over the top. All three are eliminated. So we're down to three. We're down to our last three. But the giant's clearly unhappy with this. He uh, he grabs Hogan's legs from from underneath the bottom rope. Hogan hits the canvas. Giant pulls him out. Clearly goes underneath the bottom ropes. Uh, and the hard camera here it's it's focusing now primarily on Hogan and Giants. There's still there's still obviously two uh, wrestlers in the ring. But uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna you know focus on that. And to be honest. It would have been a fantastic time to go split screen, guys. You know, <laughs> you've shown us it works. You've got the you technology. You've got the technology. You've you've definitely got the, uh, the the capability to show us split screen. But no, we don't go there. We just focus on the uh, the giant and Hogan brawling, and then we're just told that Savage has eliminated one man gang, and he's the new heavyweight champion. So we don't even Fucking get a glimpse. Hell, we, yeah. really we don't even get so a glimpse of what atrocious. is going on in the ring. And to be honest, that is a fitting end to this catastrophe that we've just had to sit through. It was utter bollocks. <laughs> mean Gene's in the ring. He's trying to clear things up between Savage and Hogan. And we uh, were promised we're promised some some footage tomorrow on Nitro that's going to clear all this mess up. Just just go down to the, the, 
to, to the screen on the comms table there that 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 be you, you could see that straight away. But no, <laughs> we're going to go to Nitro tomorrow. We're going to be awaiting the delivery of this footage. Oh, the so what again. was a promising start to the pay per view? We had some decent matches throughout, and it's been totally ruined by this battle royale towards the end. It overshadowed the rest of the pay-per-view. I was ready to, to award this a really high rating at first, and then when we got to the, the battle royale, I, I can't go higher than a five here, I think. So that was World War 3. Now, let's see what the fallout was the following night on WCW Monday Nitro. We're live from the Salem Civic Center in Salem, Virginia. We kick off as is customary with the usual suspect on the comms table. Bischoff and Heenan are joined by a tiger print shirt and black leather waistcoat clad Mongo, who looks like the bad guy from Jurassic Park 7 who's still not learned that it's a bad idea to steal the T-Rex. Can I just jump in here, immediately jump in at a very early point of this? I would like <laughs> us to talk about Mongo's shirt just a second. Please do. I think this shirt, I've noted down, is one of the worst of all time yeah. and I'm not limiting that to, to the shirts <laughs> I've seen Mongo wear no 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 just, just there for I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm talking about all the shirts yeah no no world. complaints here no complaints <laughs> it's, it's just a <laughs> absolutely dreadful you're dead right Jim no complaints there he's joined by the surely animal shelter bound Pepe the dog who's been made to wear a light leopard print cowboy hat and waistcoat combo which Mongo tells us is because the WCW wrestlers are ready to eat some raw meat no, me neither. The lads discuss the controversy <laughs> surrounding Macho's title win at World War 3 last night before we get a replay of Hogan's promo the night before, <laughs> which is Black Clobber is burned and Mean Gene is scared by fire. Hilariously, me dead right. The lads tell us that our main event tonight is Sting and Lex against Arnon Pillman, with Heenan reminding us that Lex used to be one of the horsemen. We head to the arena for the first time, where we're greeted with Johnny B. Bad's rip-off rock and roll theme. He heads down the ramp, accompanied now, Liam, as you've now informed us, by the Diamond Doll, who abandoned DDP last night when her services were won. She's giving Bad a 10-plus on a ratings board on the way to the ring. How do we feel about the idea that women can be won? Oh, it's atrocious, because it is. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's sickening, it's, it's beyond... This, this, is, this is aged about as well as the Taskmaster's promos. It's, it's appalling, because it is. Because it is. It's horrific. So we start with Bad hopping up onto the apron, and he stretches the middle and top ropes apart to enable an easier entry. Bit of chivalry, which is weird, after he's just, after he's just, earned, after he's just won the diamond doll. And, and though, though he didn't do it very much and to the point where I thought there's not much point in doing that at all mate you've not really made it that much easier but then the doll in, in any case squeezes between the middle and bottom ropes which is now slightly closer <laughs> together unbelievable ah well they've only just paired up so communication isn't quite there yet DDP is out next with a bouquet of flowers and an apologetic look on his face Paige gives Doll the flowers and then sucker punches Bad straight away as the match kicks off. But we barely see it because we watch it mostly from the camera at ringside where the Doll is inspecting her flowers and discovers that the bouquet is loaded. It's like a Bubba Rogers (laughs) taped fist. There's a heavy-duty steel chain in the middle of them which she spends then the next 30 seconds comically cartoonishly weighing up whether or not to throw it to one of the lads in the ring. 
Why she had to throw it to someone, I don't know, but she apparently did. In the background, we see DDP execute a lovely tilt-to-wheel sidewalk slam for a two-count, but it is totally incidental because Diamond Doll then sets up the finish. She gets ready to throw in the chain um, as DDP appeals to her for it, and she duly throws the chain in, but it goes through DDP's legs and is straight into the hands of Bad behind DDP, who duly uses it to knock out Paige for the win. Don't know how the ref missed all of this, but he did. It's our boy, uh, our boy Tim Patrick was made to look like a bit of a divvy, wasn't he? He really this was. Going was. On. This, was he, he, this wasn't a good day at the office for old Tim. Bad celebrates, but then says to Dalt, wait a minute, who are you throwing it to? As they head off to the back, Bad isn't sure whether or not Doll has really switched her allegiances just yet, so there's more to come here. In fairness to all of them, though, cheesy though it was, the accuracy of Doll's throw to get it beneath DDP's legs, with DDP sort of nearly but not quite grabbing it, and Bad catching it, was actually one of the best pieces of choreography I've seen this side of an Eddie Guerrero sequence. Unbelievable. I was a bit disappointed here with the uh, the duration of this of this contest. We've seen how, how good these two uh, work together, um, but... It does develop the storyline a little bit further, which is good. So we should hopefully see a bit more of them. Totally agree with all of that, Liam. Next up is another deja vu promo on the ramp with Jimmy Hart and Taskmaster, hosted by, obviously, Mean Gene. Taskmaster asks Hart if he's so smart, why is Luger running around with Sting? Hart responds by telling Taskmaster that he, Lex Luger and Sting have a plan, which puts Taskmaster's mind to rest instantly as he laughs and happily skips off to the back. Not sure why this conversation didn't just happen in catering rather than in front of the arena with a microphone in front of the TV audiences with Mean Gene, but we wouldn't have a programmer for start pulling at that thread. Taskmaster's blade—he's pointing the finger at, at Jimmy Hart, yep. saying that you know he's he's at fault for uh, Macho Man, obviously going on to the uh, the Battle Royal and, and and winning that. Yeah, but I think they've got to they've got to look a bit closer to home here, haven't they? So they, not once during the whole Battle Royal did the Dungeon of Doom think it was a good idea to to join forces. There, there must be about <laughs> seven of them, eight of them. Oh, there was there was there was an easy path to victory. Yeah, yeah. They, were, they were just grappling away at each other, so. <laughs> With others still in the ring. You've got to, you've got to take a bit of, a, of the flack here, I think. Oh, they certainly do, Liam. But, you know, again, I think if we're, if we're hoping that old Yeller, the Taskmaster, starts accepting responsibility and having a bit of logic applied, well, you know, I think we'll be, we'll be waiting a while. <laughs> Almost as long as for Sting to release the copy. And, oh, no, wait, he just did it. <laughs> Next up, a women's tag team bout that sees Cutie Suzuki and Mayumi Azaki taking on Bull Nakano and Akira Hokoto. The rematch. The rematch from last night at World War yeah. Three. And as the faces make their way to the ring with refreshingly non-stereotypical music, Heenan says these ladies look like ladies as they're leaving the dressing room area, but they're not. They're fighters. I mean, don't know why ladies can't be fighters as well, but, you know, at least it isn't the sort of stuff we may or may not get on Raw in a little while. As Eric tells us, they're representing JWP, and that if you haven't seen it before, you're in for exciting women's wrestling action. Next out, the heels, led by manager and friend of Heenan, Sonny Ono. Akira Hokoto, who's sporting an incredible Japanese traditional theatre demon mask and robe, which together make her look like a sort of nightmarish Ric Flair. That was great. And Bull Nakano with incredible shoulder-length hair that's been gelled straight up. The half-marge Simpson. Half-marge Simpson, and it looked brilliant. <laughs> She too is in a fantastic flare-worthy robe. Look awesome, these pair. We kick off and it's a little messy to begin with, a bit off the pace. Though they do settle in and we see Hakutu execute a hanging headlock as she dangles Asaki. In comes Nakano who lands a seated senton on Suzuki after taking a half-sunset flip. 
nice spots here, a bit of back and forth, a bit of a weird mix of some really lovely, silky, nicely worked manoeuvres and a couple of bits of sloppy, choppy bits that didn't quite flow together as well as they could have done. Sensing victory, the faces roll Nakano into the ring, who's been wiped out on the outside, but she reverses the double-team clothesline with a clothesline of her own that takes out Suzuki and Asaki. As they recover to their feet, Hakuto is tagged back in and executes a front drop kick with one foot for each of the faces, who fly backwards a million miles due to the impact. Looked fantastic. Suzuki is picked up and plants a fantastic but slightly dangerous-looking cradle brainbuster that gets the heels the win. Cracking match, as I say, some dodgy looking moves here and there, but the good far outweighed the bad and would love to see more of these lasses going forwards. And fun fact about Akira Hakuto, in a two out of three falls bout for AJW in 1987, she broke her neck, taking a tombstone off the second rope, but continued Bert Troutman style for the remaining two falls, occasionally needing to prop her own head up with her hands. Jesus Ace, wow. that is one tough fucking wrestler. Wow. How is that Absolute for a fact? Nails. Unbelievable. They do seem hard as fuck, these Japanese wrestlers. Oh, they do. Yeah, they, they, they're great to watch, aren't they? Next up, we've got the comedically named Hugh Morris taking on Hulk Hogan. So he's not, uh, he's not, the, he's not the proud Welshman we thought he was last week. Then <laughs> he's sadly not. No, he's, he's, not. Got a, he's got a gimmick name. <laughs> he's not from the <laughs> valleys. He's just a comedian. Morris is out first. He's a barrel-chested unit. This lad, isn't he? Bloody hell. He's followed to the ring by the red and yellow clad Hulk Hogan, back in his yellow pants and full face mode. He obviously didn't like the booze he got last week. He rips off the shirt and bandana, as we know, and throws them at Morris ringside. He'll move that Hulk. As Morris slides into the ring and the action begins. And honestly, there isn't a lot to say about this match. It goes beat for beat, as you'd expect a Hulk Hogan match to go. So, Hulk takes control with lots of strikes and a poor-looking clothesline before Morris takes control and gets the upper hand with one really nice-looking flying clothesline from the second turnbuckle and a great top-rope moonsault um, being the standout until Hulk hulks up, punches Morris after the U spot and delivers a big boot and a leg drop for the three. Have I missed anything? Nah. Nah. I find it quite funny when uh, Eric Bischoff was trying to convince us that the crowd was behind Hogan. <laughs> Despite, despite there being no reaction from the crowd. Oh, he was dead. Absolutely dead. Again, he, he just forgets these moments when we actually know what's going on behind <laughs> well, him. Yeah, when I mean? our senses can prove it. <laughs> yeah. What an idiot. What we got here as well was another member of the Dungeon of Doom that was beaten in like four minutes. Yeah, or, you're dead, you know right. I mean? Instantly killed any kind of pretense of them being a, yeah, a, a contender or a, a threat. Yeah, you're, you're dead, right. Useless. He's not laughing now, is he? (laughs) 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 Right, let's move on. After a break, we're back with Mean Gene on the ramp for an interview with newly crowned WCW World Heavyweight Champion Macho Man Randy Savage. Fantastic. Macho cuts a typically bonkers and typically superb promo until he's interrupted by who else but Hulk Hogan. Hulk's not happy that Macho Man is the champ and claims the whole world knows that he was still standing last night. Hulk then gets the replay rolled from World War Three. I mean, how he has control of this, you know, given the faff we have of getting the footage here I don't know but he does but before we see Hogan getting pulled out underneath by the giant the replay conks out and we get a load of static then out comes the giant who attacks Hogan from behind choke slams macho onto the concrete and proceeds to attack Hogan into the ring until Sting comes to Hogan's defence I'm so sick of the fucking giant oh I know it's just the same every week he's garbage he is I know we used to be really impressed with him didn't we when it first started and now he's just dross in the ring 
and as Sting is distracting him from Hogan, Hogan, total heel, goes and grabs a chair, comes back in, and then repeats a terrible, <sighs> holding the chair in both hands, run to the ropes, stop, back into them, hands still holding the chair, stop, jog towards the giant, whack him in the back with the chair, sort of, and repeat this about three or four times until this he eventually... Oh, it was just, this was oh, absolute car crash stuff. Until he then knocks Giant out of the ring and then proceeds to continue to hit him in the back. He was like pushing a chair onto his head. Yeah, yeah. He's he, push, he's giant like has to really there, yeah. obviously lean in. He was obviously trying to hold back a little bit, wasn't he? This is it. And, and, right, and I'm not for a second saying I want to see vicious head chair shots. Quite the opposite. Just don't do it at all. They're, they're either awful or they're dangerous like, and unsafe. Like, if, they, if they look like this, what are you doing it for? Because oh, was... then Giant has to comically and badly sell him in this cartoon OTT way in which he's getting slowly knocked back up the ramp and then just does and just walks past Macho and Sting, who are now on the floor. Anyway, so he does walk to the back. Hogan and Sting just let him do that and tend to Macho after his choke slam at the top um, and, and then back on comms Eric says wait a minute Sting called Hogan off the giant what's that about like, uh, okay Eric he's a wrestling whisperer isn't he <laughs> exactly we know this <laughs> convince anyone to, to, to do what he wants <laughs> next up our main event the battery Arn Anderson and the full English frying Brian representing the four horsemen and they're taking on Sting and Lex Luger with Lex a former fleeting member of the horsemen and maybe the Dungeon of Doom though not officially and maybe an employee of the Great Train Store we're not, we're not sure who Lex is or who he's with let's just leave it at that out first of the horsemen with their cracking Miami Vice style theme Sting then emerges to a great pop and after a bit of a delay Lex heads out without any music Gets halfway down the ramp, gets his name read, then some music kicks in. It's like, it's, it's someone... <laughs> the last thing this lad needs is this amateur hour approach. That we, it just, it's terrible. It's just... It, you can't catch a break, this this lad. When the, uh, Fry and Brian and the battery came down, I, 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 I like I like them both. I've enjoyed watching both of them. But pairing together is a bad idea. They looked like a fucking father and son team, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> it did. <laughs> The could, match. could be the electricians, the battery, and Brian. <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> Sting and Arn kick us off, and Arn gets right to it with a lovely fake bolt towards Luger, which predictably causes him to react and then try and enter the ring. So the ref goes over to admonish him, and as he does that, Arn's plan works brilliantly and calls for Brian to head to the middle of the apron so he can attack the whip Sting and incapacitates him and sets up the Arn Anderson spine buster straight away. Brilliant. Superb. Lex is straight in, though, and breaks up the pin before the ref can start counting, having just gotten Luger to stay in his corner. Arn continues the assault and gets Brian to set up a repeat of the apron spot, but this time Sting reverses and Lex does the same to Arn on the other side of the ring. Face buster from Sting and then want a pillman as Lex enters. Ref's lost all control. Tim Patrick, he's had a bad, terrible night. He's had a terrible night, Tim. Just want to forget for him tonight, innit? Really? Gets worse as well, doesn't it? Gets worse, yeah. Doesn't it just? Lex press slams on incredible strength given how dense double A is. Sting does the same to Pillman and the heels roll out of the ring together to regroup. Arn calls time out with his hands and gets the ref to keep Sting and Luger away as Arn and Pillman catch their breath. Sting and Arn continue, but um, Arn wants Luger and instructs Sting to tag him in and the Stinger obliges. And then it instantly goes to pot. Lex just cannot hang with Arn and doesn't clock what the battery is trying to get him to do. So just stops after a whip to the ropes, just stops dead and then starts jogging again when he clocks it. Back and forth we go. 
And it's just sort of a combination of, of some lovely stuff from Arn covering some not so good stuff from Lex. There's one point in particular where Lex tries to slam Arn's head into Pillman's, but doesn't communicate this. So just sort of moves a bit with his arm. Arn has no idea, then clocks it and then has to belatedly throw his own head into Pillman's. I was like, oh, Lex, mate, what are you doing to Arn? <laughs> Come on. A running forearm from Lex followed by some bodybuilding poses riles the crowd up brilliantly. Fair enough, Lex. They, they they do react to him. He's, you know, he's useless in the ring, but doesn't seem to be impacting his ability to rile the crowd up yet. Stings back in and executes a cracking stinger splash followed by the scorpion deathlock. Pillman heads up top to break it up and Luger throws him off, but he goes straight into Sting, causing the comms team to question Lex's loyalty to the stricken Stinger. The heels take advantage, again expertly playing the ref, but this time Sting mounts a comeback. Could watch Sting and Arn go at it all day. Lex clumsily sets up Arn to be whipped into the corner where Sting's recovering, forcing Stinger to quickly pop high up and get out of the way. Fuck's sake, Lex. With Arn out of action, Sting rolls up Pillman and steals the win as the crowd go ballistic. But, just as the lads are celebrating, a third horseman, Ric Flair, sporting loafers, slacks and a fetching jumper, he gets in and goes straight after Luger before Flair takes out the ref and Liam's favourite wrestler, the WCW bell ringer, goes ballistic. Yeah, Candle, it's Tim Patrick. Tim Patrick's <laughs> got one in the face. Oh, it's brutal. <laughs> brutal assault. That's a worse for Tim. <laughs> <laughs> then, as we've not seen him enough tonight, outruns Hulk Hogan to even the odds. He takes out Pillman and Arn remarkably easily before Flair gives him a patented chop that just makes him hulk up, whipping Flair into the ropes where the other two horsemen then extricate him before he can bounce back towards Hulk and they take him to the back. Hogan then rounds on Luger, not really sure what he's done to deserve this, but Sting stops him, wrestler whisperer, as Luger exits. Back to the comms table and the lads recap the macho Hogan story and send us out. So that was the November 27th, 1995 edition of WCW Monday Nitro. But what did we make of it? Jim, what were your Nitro ratings builders? Builder number one for me this week is uh, Diamond Dallas Page. I already featured briefly and we saw most of him through the shot that featured Diamond on the foreground. But uh, yeah, he's just, he's just a dick, isn't he? he, he, he <laughs> he's, he's great. Yeah, he's great. He's great at being a dick. And, uh, it's always interesting <laughs> whenever he features. Yeah, it is. Uh, builder number two. I've got a feeling it's probably going to come to nothing as the comms lads are grafting way too hard in the suggestions that there's some kind of complex psychology at play here. <laughs> but uh, the implication that the summing building was staying, I think, is uh, yeah. mildly interesting, mildly intriguing. <laughs> and building number three, Bull Meccano's hair. Fantastic. Yep, fair. Absolutely <laughs> lovely. <laughs> Liam, how about you? What were your Nitro ratings builders? Number one for me. Very easily was the women's tag match. Nice. Um, I mentioned this uh, on the pay-per-view run-through. Uh, very refreshing. A little bit different to what we've been getting. Yeah. Um, quality range of moves from all four, really. Uh, very talented. Uh, the crowd reacted to them well, so I, I'd, I'd enjoy seeing a lot more of this. thought it was a top draw, to be honest. Lovely. Uh, easily number one. Uh, number two, uh, as Jim has mentioned, Diamond Dallas Page. Um, we, we haven't seen him on Nitro for a long time, um, and 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 every time he does feature, you do appreciate those moments. Um, and we've mentioned not not a lot a long match on the card on Nitro, but 
you know this 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 ongoing saga between uh, the Diamond Doll, Johnny B. Bad, um, is going to continue for a couple more weeks, hopefully. But uh, yeah. very entertaining as always. Yeah, lovely. Uh, and then number three, I've just I've gone for the main event purely because it felt like one. Um, yeah, they had the, t- the top stars were featuring um, <clears throat> the Dungeon of Doom were nowhere near it. We had a you know this legitimate uh, heel stable featuring. Um, which I, with the four horsemen now. But anyway, in, in terms of you know your heels and faces, it was the right people in, in the right in the right match. Lovely stuff. Well, my building number one, Arn Anderson. Ring General doesn't cover it. He orchestrated this main event, and in spite of Luger, made it cracking to watch. Build number two, the women's tag match. Get these lasses on next week for a rematch, please. And build number three, Sting. In the ring, he is one of the very best. And so far, it's been one of my highlights of catching up with him Monday Night Wars because he has just been better than I thought he was. And it's been cracking to watch and very entertaining. And long may it continue. Jim, what were your Nitro ratings killers? Killer number one, we've got the the, the constant repetition of the, of the idea that there's a dark cloud hanging over Macho Man's title reign. <laughs> so apparently it's it's just not okay for anyone face or heel to have the title unless it's Hulk Hogan there's got to be something (laughs) amiss for anybody who have it correct Um, killer number two it's Hogan in all the segments I mean you get these episodes where he just doesn't turn up and you just get a a taped segment of him with a homeless guy on the beach or like some nothing bit or then other shows where he's just fucking he's just he's he's start to finish yeah, end to end, Hulk Hogan. So here we had him in. All the recaps are all about him. His pointless match with Hugh Morris, the uh, former proud Welshman. Gate crashing Macho Man's <laughs> interview. <laughs> Terrible chair shots to fend off the giant. The running to save Sting. He was in absolutely everything here, and everything was absolutely worse for it. And killer number three, Mongo shirts. <laughs> Perfect. Liam, what were your Nitro ratings killers? Nitro killers at the very top. Uh, has to be Mongo. Um, <laughs> after being treated to Shivani on the pay per view, oh, uh, I was I was devastated to go back to this idiot. Um, <laughs> showcased once again why he won uh, worst gimmick at our New Year's honours. Um, <laughs> he had a bad shirt on, as Jim's pointed out. Um, bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I need to go into it anymore, Jim. You've done a, <laughs> no, a, no, a great no, job. Yeah, done a great job. His full repertoire of filth was on show. He's howling. Um, his geriatric references made an appearance. His grandmother said something or other oh, at one honestly. point. It's unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> you know, cons- it's constantly dressing this dog up, which is, again, just getting really tedious now. Uh, he's not been on the board for a couple of weeks, but he had to go on this week, <laughs> especially after especially after getting Shivani and Heenan working so well yeah. at the pay-per-view. Um, they need to get rid of this guy really, really quickly. Number two, I'm... I'm putting Sting on there, not for his, not for his wrestling ability, but this this ludicrous uh, suggestion that he's he's this wrestling whisperer now and he can calm down any situation in the WCW. Uh, he's inherited this skill from somewhere. Um, his powers of persuasion are at mastery level at the moment. Uh, I think he's wasted in the WCW. He needs to get uh, involved in hostage negotiations or something. Or other. Uh, I just don't. I just don't get it. You know, he's the man that calms down Hulk Hogan. Um, he calmed down Lex Luger the other week. Um, uh, yeah, it's don't understand it. It's bizarre. And number three on the killers list is this this footage. Uh, it's just you know we promised footage again malfunctioned or what whatever happened this week. Um, 
they, they surely got some more footage. You know, we're not buying that. They, they, they plugged the repeat of the, the, the pay-per-view at the end of the show. So just get Hogan <laughs> and Macho to sit down and watch that. It's, it's, <laughs> it's just it's just bizarre, isn't it? Like, oh, it is. That, that's, there isn't just one taping of this, this pay-per-view you know, <laughs> yeah, in existence. So, <laughs> yeah, shocking. Amazing. My killers, killer number one, Hogan Overload. I dearly hope that this is all setting up the Hogan heel turn that we know is coming at some point, as this is just, it's just predictable, boring cobblers, and I can't cope with it much longer. Killer number two, humorous. Not the lad himself, but the fact that this athletic unit of a bloke has been made fodder for Hogan, killing him off as just another anonymous Dungeon of Doom goon that is nothing to be feared. It's yet another self-inflicted wound by WCW. Useless. And killer number three, the giant selling. The awful chair shots, the awful staggering to the back. You are an utter monster, mate. You should not be doing this. Well, that was Nitro, but what happened on Raw? Jim, take us through it. Uh, we open up. We open up with a recap of Shawn Michaels collapsing last week. Um, Vince talks us through the severity of the situation. He's shown shots of the crowd, some of which are upset. But we all know that the saddest of the lot is Vincent Kennedy himself. <laughs> um, <laughs> then pushing the idea that, that HBK has obtained a legitimate life-threatening injury, Vince being all, all solemn and yeah. talking talk about it being a stark reminder of the risks wrestlers take. And it reminded me last week you said, Steve, about not sitting well with knowing actually what happened to Owen Hart in the future. And, exactly. Uh, and he was, of course, involved in this whole angle. So I was, I was thinking the same thing here, just especially on yeah, especially on how badly they, an, they handled the whole yeah. Owen Hart situation at the time as well. It's just, yeah, just not good, really, not good at all. It felt like an obituary, didn't it? It did, yeah, you're right, like, it did. It was super solemn. Yeah, also, and I know it's like your big angle that you're working right now, but what a, what a fucking morbid way to start your show. Yeah. To try and liven the mood after that um, sombre beginning. <laughs> In the arena, we've got King and Vince, as always, and they give us a rundown of what's coming up tonight. Um, we've got Undertaker versus Karma. That's that's going to be headline. Exciting. Yeah. Um, and while they're talking to us, while while Vincent King are bringing us in, Body Donner in training. Rad Radford appears <laughs> in the entrance gangway, and he starts doing star, star jumps for I some know. fucking strange reason. I can't believe, honestly, that the cameraman cut away from Vincent King to fucking show that travesty. <laughs> Come on, Rad. The camera's cut away from Rad Radford's aerobics routine, and King starts rambling on about an urn on a chain around the neck of Karma. And, yeah, and didn't get this. It's, it's Undertaker's final opportunity to regain that chain. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit confused here. I'm certain this is the first I've heard of Karma having Undertaker's urn, and there's been yep. no hint of animosity between nope. the two prior to this. Nope. If the stakes were as high as what's been implied, if Undertaker, you know, it's the last time we get this chain back, I, I would have thought a little bit more build-up than they're going to have a match next week. <laughs> yeah, get it on pay-per-view, surely. You know, Taker's last chance to recoup the demon urn yeah just like, anything anything would have been nice um, and also we've got an interview with Bret Hart too after the success of the last oh, one why wouldn't no. you <laughs> an ecstatic king tells us this interview is going to be conducted by Monday Night Scores debutant Brother Love 
King refers to him as a as a, as a broadcast journalist, which which I which I enjoyed. <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> Great. Yeah, I noted that. <laughs> and by this point, Brad Bradford's in the ring. He, he's dressed like a pudgy five year old with his cap on backwards, his top half off. <laughs> yeah, he he's awaiting his opponent, and here he comes. It's Ahmed Johnson. Everybody, Ahmed gets a vintage introduction. We're instructed to get a good look at all business, get a good look at all man, get a good look at Ahmed Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Uncanny, that. that's the best one we've done yet. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> he's not at Shawn Michael levels yet. Shawn Michael's levels yet. but he's... No, no, he's got a long way to go. Yeah, he's, he's, wor- he's working up towards that. What I liked about this match is it's... It's obviously a squash match. Obviously, Rad Rad is not going to win, but it wasn't your, your archetypal squash match where Johnson just runs over some jobber mm-hmm. in no time at all. Um, so so Radders gets a few shots in, but like there's all the while, you know, <laughs> Johnson's not quite no-selling them, but you know he's after having, you can see they're having no effect and yeah. Radders is clearly giving it both barrels. Yeah. So this, you know, we, we get, clearly get the impression who is above who in the pecking order here. Radford jump starts the match, he gets some shots in and Johnson early doors. Johnson soon takes command and he, he lays a ton of right hands into Radford, knocking him to the outside. Uh, while Johnson then goes out to retrieve him, out there though, Radders gets a few shots in. Johnson, he's not quite no-selling, he's not quite no-selling as such, but the suggestion that Radford's giving him both barrels and he's mm. not quite having too much of an impact, you know, clearly in, like outlines where they are in the pecking order. We clearly get the impression Johnson is in the, uh, you know, he's someone to be taken seriously. Yeah. So in the ring, back in the ring, it's not long before Johnson takes complete control. We get some clumsy-looking axe kicks from him where he's kind of using the wrong leg to execute him. He's going with his left yeah. when he should have been going with his right. Or, um, it's bizarre, isn't it? Like he, he goes with the outside leg all the time on yeah, the uh, on the it, kick. Like it was yeah, weird. It's sloppy that for him. These are followed by Spinebuster, and then when Radford reverses an Irish whip and assumes the idiot position, Johnson hits his finish <laughs> and gets the pin without breaking into much of a sweat. Um, the replay of the finisher showed how close Radford came to instant death, though, yeah. with a, a last a last minute lift of the head. Yeah, honestly, I saving know. him, I know. <laughs> saving him from getting slammed onto the mat dome first with his considerable bulk right on top of him. That would have fucking that would have oh, been it, God. wouldn't it? I know, I know. The end of Rad Radford. <laughs> King shapes up like he's a big fan of Ahmed Johnson, but of course, he's not really. And apparently, Dean Douglas has been passing, passing King a few messages. He told, he told him that when Johnson graduated high school, he was so excited, he could hardly shave without cutting himself. And then King's role as highly paid middleman continues when he relays another message from Dean Douglas. This one said that in your house, Douglas is going to teach you a lesson. Um, AJ is about to retort, when who should come striding out of ringside? But Dean Douglas himself not very not very heelish, is it for the, for, the, for him to come running out to confront the uh, confront the face here over, yeah. over nothing apparently. Yeah. Um, Douglas tells Johnson that the road to superstardom in the WWF I said that very strange, didn't I? <laughs> takes place in his classroom. Douglas then passes the mic back to Johnson, asking what he has to say about it. Johnson says, "Let's have it," and gets in the ring. Johnson starts making those weird sexual faces at this point. He was clearly saving them up for this moment. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what his intentions were here. No, no, it was all a bit odd, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> Douglas threatens to join him in the squared circle, but the refs get involved, put a stop to that, and looks like we'll have to wait until the pay-per-view to see how that altercation pans out. As we return from the break, King is stuffing his face with a Twix as Vince points us in the direction of an update on Shawn Michaels' condition. Vince is doing a voiceover for this package he's just introduced, which feels a bit weird. He tells <laughs> us that Michaels is, 
unquestionably one of the most Brazilian superstars of all time, which is now customary. Yeah. He wasn't screaming it this time, but it still sounded like you're saying Brazilian. The, the first time, the second time he said it, it didn't. I don't know if it's what you've just said it, it's now stuck in my head. And every time I hear it, I hear him say Brazilian, but still, nevertheless. We learned that Michael's head injury and subsequent collapse last week wasn't the result of one well-placed boot from Owen Hart, but it was the build-up of incidents over the past week that have contributed to this unfortunate yeah, event. I did not like this at all. Uh, yeah, we get a recap of every move HBK has taken in recent matches while Vince suggests um, Michaels is some kind of superhero having, you know, put himself, you know, in in, in the firing line despite having these these concussion issues. And um, Vince signs off by saying that we know Michaels is okay. He's going to return soon. And when he does, guess what? He's going to be more flamboyant and more Brazilian than ever. Fully waxed. <laughs> <laughs> So following that little drivel, we've got a women's tag match up next. It's four of the women involved in the elimination match from Survivor Series. We've got Tomoko Watanabe and Aya Kong, and they're teaming up to face Kyoko Inui and Alundra Blaze. We're introduced to the heel team first, and Vincent King start early, making the comments about Aya Kong's size. Uh, as the faces come out, we get, a, we get the mayor of merch trying to flog a really bad Bret Hart t-shirt. It's cut off through halfway through, though, because the bell goes to start the match. I think this, this t-shirt was shocking anyway. No one would have bought it, so it doesn't matter. He said that they've been working on it all week. Have they been stitching it with the toes? Like, it's a, it's a bog standard t-shirt. There's nothing impressive about this. Stop, 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 trying to, stop lying to us, Todd. And another thing here is the... Uh, the Richmond Police Department need to be uh, contacted here as uh, Marty Gennetti's wardrobe has clearly been ransacked here with some of the outfits on show. <laughs> it's a good job he's not on the car tonight because he's got nothing to wrestle. That's, that's why he's not on. Yeah, that's why he's not on. So we've got two pom-poms in the ring. I've just got to say I well presented the women are in this one. <laughs> <laughs> But no, from uh, from start to finish, I did. I really enjoyed this match. Actually, I thought the Japanese, yeah, the Japanese super. women, they give it big portions from start to finish. No punches pulled. It's absolutely yeah. some mammoth yeah. fucking shots, some mammoth bumps. It's fucking incredible. <laughs> yeah, totally agree. The match it starts out with Icon no selling Inui's offense, and then then flattening her. No bother. So uh, yeah, like, like Liam, you mentioned last week about the treatment of the women. They received from the comms team uh, during the Survivor Series match, and again, this is very similar. So, Vince oh. is a he's panning Aja Kong throughout the match for her size, and I thought what was quite noteworthy about this is she doesn't even seem that big. No, 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 she's I not. Agree. Yeah, she's she's clearly the largest wrestler in the match, but like she's not dwarfing over the others. No, he doesn't. He doesn't say anything about Mabel's size this often, does he? And no, this is know. this is exactly what I was going to say. So. Um, yeah, it's what I thought was really interesting is how Kong's spoken about in this kind of scoffing way, like she's this big fucking joke and she should be mocked and laughed at. But when it when it comes to half the men on the roster who are fucking morbidly obese, yeah. you, there's no any of the fucking same taunting. Yeah, so exactly. people like Mabel yeah. and Yokozuna who can barely move. Yeah. Yet this is always framed as like an advantage to him. Like yeah, exactly. This is yeah, this is yeah. a big benefit of them. This is a bonus. Spot on. And, and Kong isn't like comparable in size and, and, she, and she's very like mobile and capable of putting on an entertaining match yet is, is ridicule for it so I thought this is just a bit stupid really yeah, yeah 100% yeah they just squashed the match don't they the comms yeah they do yeah and it's a cracking match like it, it just yeah, it's, they, yeah they did the same at Survivor Series great match but it was just totally ruined by uh, the comments on comms <laughs> 
But yeah, back in the ring, like I mentioned, I said these, these lasses do really do uh, give it out. And there's, there's a bit in the middle of the match where Watanabe and Blaze are pounding each other in the face and it, it looked like they legitimately yeah. love each yeah, other. Yeah. They're absolutely unloading. A bit later, Kong boots the fuck out of Anui in the middle of the match. At the time, Vince makes a gag about Aya's grandfather. It's mm. King Kong, by the way. Where do you, where do you think of that? Honestly, what do you think of that, I, know, I know, it's it's unbelievable. It's like, outrageous. Yeah, horrific. funny, funny stuff, Vince. Well done. Um <laughs> Uh, it's back and forth between both teams towards the end, full on battering each other, stiff as you like. And then we get to the finish where Inui sets up a pile driver on Kong. Kong escapes at the last minute and then back soup lexes the fuck out of Inui, dumps her right on her noggin. This looked absolutely brutal. And uh, you know what I mean? Talk about Shawn Michaels yeah. fucking obituaries. Mm. This, yeah, exactly. We'll have the one on <laughs> Kyoko Inui next week, I'm sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the finish is probably one of the one of the weakest looking moves, the tamest looking moves of the whole match. Where mm. Kong picks up Anui, hits her with a spinning back elbow, <laughs> yeah. and pins her for the free counts. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I thought superb effort. One of the best matches I think we've seen on Raw so far. A second that. Coming next is Brother Love making his Monday Night Scores debut, as I've mentioned, and it's a seg- in a segment that I sincerely hope doubles up as Brother Love's Monday Night Scores swan song because this was <laughs> dire. Yeah, um, Christ, this was terrible. Yeah. Brother Love comes to the ring with Vince continuing his rich vein of, of body shaming form when he, he refers to him as the portly Brother Love. Yeah, um, I don't know what that was about. Yeah. <laughs> Not that big. <laughs> <laughs> Again, Mabel's never the portly Mabel, is he? Exactly. Brother Love. <laughs> Brother Love, when he's doing this interview, he gets so close to the camera that all we can see is his, his shit bright red boat race. Yeah. There's a lot of booing throughout this, him talking, but as after you pointed out the other week, Steve, about the crowd noise being piped into the recordings, I'm, I'm kind of sceptical of the authenticity of this now. A, a more innocent me a few weeks ago would have totally bought this. Oh, God, they hate him. They hate him. But now I'm... Um, now you're jaded. I do apologise. You've ruined the magic of WWF for me there. <laughs> yeah, I'm so sorry. Bastard. It, it was rife in the uh, in the Albert Johnson match as well, unfortunately. Terrible, terrible. Jeez. A couple of other points I've made, again, I've, I'm not trying to dwell on this too long because it was, it was rubbish. Um, <laughs> Brother Love's microphone looks like a giant matchstick. <laughs> he looks like a borrower's picked up a matchstick. <laughs> an embarrassed borrower, an embarrassed portly borrower has picked up a matchstick. <laughs> uh, the shtick of the interview is, is Brother Love's very disrespectful to Bret Hart. He's not letting him get a word in. But while this is going on, there's like music playing loudly and it's, it's really, it definitely impairs the ability to hear what's being said, especially when Bret Hart is talking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we then get our weekly throwback of SummerSlam 92 where, where the Bulldog beats Bret Hart. Does anyone know where that event took place? They never mention it. It's never mentioned. No, if anyone can tell me where that event took place, where, where the British Bulldog beat Bret Hart at SummerSlam 92, if anyone tell me where that event was held, please tweet us at... TMN scores that is TMN scores because it is a fucking mystery it is a bit like this segment from me this interview goes on way too long <laughs> until something it's inexplicable happens in the ring um, so, so Bret Hart he wraps it up his music hits and then him and Brother Love have a few words off mic and then while this happens Bob Backlund rushes the <laughs> ring and from behind, he puts newly crowned WWF champion Bret Hart in the crossface chicken wing. Backlund. He's been on the campaign trail for like months. This is the peripheral comedy guy who last week was at Survivor Series was talking to fake Bill Clinton. Is is now completely fucking disarmed, immobilised, and fucking yeah. dominating yeah. the 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 champ in the middle of the ring. Yeah. A fresh Bret Hart, no less. He's not been in a match. He's, he's no, fresh no, as a daisy he, here, Bret. He is completely, like, immobilised him, dominated him. This is unbelievable. Um, 
and he holds him there. Brett can't get out of it. Can't do nothing about it. While, while Bob Backlund shouting, he's a, you're a disgrace. He's a disgrace. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, this just goes on. If, if the refs hadn't come on to interrupt, this, this could have gone on all night, I think. Yeah. Take the notes, finally relinquished. <laughs> <laughs> just under eight minutes, this segment was oh, with Brother Love. Painful. They're ruining Brett Hart at the moment, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, correct. Following that, we find out the job of holidays come to an end as John Cristal <laughs> assumes the role of God's cannon <laughs> assumes the role of cannon fodder for the rapidly rising Hunter Hurst Helmsley. Yeah. Before this, we get a quick tip promo from the hog farmer Henry O. Godwin, who tells us that Triple H is going to meet all of his pigs in person. <laughs> uh, the pigs. They can't meet people in person, exactly. Henry. <laughs> 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 that's how it works but yeah the reason the reason why that's going to happen in your house is because they're having a hog pen match and I love all these obscure stipulations they keep throwing in that are taking place in wrestling around this time that none of them stood the test of time none of them lasted did they there haven't been any many more hog pen matches since <laughs> that one that I'm aware of anyway no, um, bypass me anyway the match the match goes as you'd imagine uh, at one point, Chris Dahl assumes the idiot position. Triple H pedigrees him, and that's that. After the future game exit stage left, we get some massive news from Vince McMahon, although barely any attention is paid to it. At In Your House, the runner-up of the 1995 Wrestler of the Year from our, our, our honours list the other week, Razor Ramon, he's going to be teaming up with the rightful winner of said accolade, Marty Jannetty, and they're going Jesus. up against Ted DiBiase's boys, the one, two, three kid... And Psycho Sid. Moving on, we get a promo with Owen Hart and Jim Cornette. Corny tells us Owen Hart can't find a guy to get in the ring with him after what he did at HBK last week. And then he reveals there's an open contract. Anyone who's got the minerals to take on Owen can do so. Like it. Yep, indeed. Hart told us he's on a roll hospitalising people, which I thought was an interesting barometer of success. Um, <laughs> and anyone who takes on the open mic contract, who takes on the open mic contract, rather than the fucking... <laughs> Read re- re- poetry and sing their own songs on acoustic guitar. <laughs> of course, what I meant to say was uh, an open contract, no microphones involved, in which anyone who's brave enough to take said open contract is going to end up just like Shawn Michaels. Yeah, I find it hard to buy all of this kind of angry heel role, but he's way better than Brett on the mic. Him and Corny keep you engaged and get to the point and got, out, got in and out really quickly. So, yeah, well done, guys. Good stuff. And from there... Oh, we go to the main events. And it's Karma. Well, apparently it's not Karma with The Undertaker. Karma is hobbling out on crutches. And while the, the reprehensible, the vile, the disgusting, the awful Ted DiBiase tells us Karma is out of action. But worry, <laughs> worry we need not, as the million dollar man has, in his words, secured the services of another superstar to replace the old and fighting machine. So you're probably thinking at this stage, he must have drafted in somebody good. It's Ted DiBiase. He's got loads of money. He's paid for him. He shouts out. Who is it? He's got all those other wrestlers in his stable. And they're also tied down as part of the current financial arrangement that he has with them. So whoever he's got here has to be good. If you thought any of that was going to come true, you're as big an idiot as Ted DiBiase evidently is because he has forked out his hard cash to acquire the services of Sir Mo. <laughs> Unbelievable this. 
A bemused Vince then sums up the insanity of this acquisition by questioning, what, when Moore Moore is introduced? And Moore's got his Burger King crown on as he walks to the ring, gets hit by a few (laughs) missiles from the crowd as he goes. Undertaker gets his coolest shit entrance, and while it's happening, Vince reminds us that if Undertaker is victorious, he'll recapture his urn. Undertaker dominates early exchanges while Vince suggests there's something afoot, but he can't quite put his finger on what it is. A DBS is up to something, Vince suspects, and he's also seen Mabel around earlier in the day. Something does sound amiss here. I hope Undertaker has got his wits about him, especially if he wants that urn back. Um, back in the ring, Undertaker's distracted by some outside interference from DiBiase and goes out of the ring to sort him out. While Taker has Ted by the throat, Vince screams, Yes! Yes! <laughs> Cameron attacks a dead man from behind, laying right into the kidneys while Sir Moore behaves in a manner way beneath his status as a knight of the realm. He keeps the ref <laughs> occupied. <laughs> Cameron has, has, of course, revealed at this point he's not actually injured, thickening the proverbial plot to an almost treacle viscosity at this point. Vince tells us DBS he wants to keep Undertaker away from the urn and that Undertaker will be so powerful should he regain that urn that he'll be almost unstoppable. I wonder why he waited three months before trying to get it back. That is the case. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, Sir Moore capitalises on the handiwork of the heels and jumps outside to work over the Undertaker. Uh, before we go into a break, Vince teases that he thinks he just saw Mabel. I don't know how there can be an element of doubt about seeing Mabel because <laughs> Mabel's fucking enormous. Yeah, he's like, he's 500 odd pounds. It's not like you're, you're spotting a flea from across the uh, the way there, Vince. He's no. a massive, massive guy. <laughs> yeah, it's, Vince has been coming out with some stuff tonight. And I, oh, I think yes. that is... yeah, he's, yeah, he's broken, I think. We return from the break and, and Vince is spinning a dreadful yarn about the urn. Uh, as he's doing so, we see, we see my favourite piece of idiocy on the pod so far. So we get Sir Moe in the ring. Knight of the Realm Sir Moe, the man who Ted DiBiase has forked out to acquire for this evening's action. Sir Moe punches the Undertaker in the face and he immediately recoils and goes, ah, yeah, my hand, because <laughs> Undertaker's mask's so hard. And then seconds later, and I mean literally seconds he does it again, he hits him again in the face, <laughs> and he recoils once more. Ah! And you can just see here, Ted DiBiase at ringside, of all the people I could have hired, <laughs> I picked this bozo. It's not a sound investment from Ted. Not at all. Terrible, Ted DiBiase. We plot along for a little while longer until The Undertaker decides he's had enough. He chokes more for a while. Vince, no complaints about this clearly illegal behaviour. He hits a big boot at a flying clothesline on more before heading outside to beat up Karma. Uh, DiBiase gets Karma and then them two, they skedaddle, they get out of dodge. It's it's too much for them now. They're on the run. And as they're doing so, Vince, who has just been arguing with King, that he isn't paranoid and he isn't seeing things. He says, look, look in the background there. As DiBiase and Karma are ambling the way up the entrance. Um, it seems, as the heels are making their escape, it apparently must have been Mabel's cue to appear. But not for the first time in recent episodes of Raw, it seems Mabel has missed his cue, making Vince look a bigger idiot in the process. <laughs> or at least it seems that way, because why would Vince be saying, look, look in the background there? Uh, yeah, nothing. No, oh, there, yeah. There, was, there was nothing there, so... No. Yeah. <laughs> All very strange. Moore cops a massive chokeslam in the ring and does yeah. a hilarious kind of pretend spasm thing trying to sell it. Have you guys seen that thing, that goal celebration, where um, I think it's like in the Faroe Islands or Iceland or some, some kind of, you know, far-off Nordic fishing community where, where where the lads scored a goal and they, they set this elaborate staging where they're catching a fish and, and one of them fr- casts the rod out and they reel it in and then the fish comes out off screen and he comes like, <laughs> like, like like he's bouncing off the ground into the thing off the side this is a, clearly the inspiration for that from Sir Moe so, um, yeah he was 
well yeah. done unbelievably I thought he'd been tasered <laughs> <laughs> fantastic stuff sir Mo uh, yeah Undertaker pins him and that's it he, he's got the urn back the, uh, that's it Undertaker's power is restored apparently but hang on here comes Mabel wearing his crown robe and scepter along with full wrestling gear despite having no match tonight <laughs> Vince takes time to glow up despite the clear and present danger this poses to The Undertaker. You see, King, you see? Now he's crazy. He's given it all that. He, he was, he, he's been vindicated. Mabel was here. Mabel was up to no good. Uh, Mabel makes a dart for the urn. She's still hanging on the turnbuckle, of course. But uh, Taker's quicker than him and he grabs it, keeps hold of it. Vince tells us we can feel the power from The Undertaker that he now now he possesses the urn. We can feel that power emanating around the arena. Um, but hang on, what's this? He's Yoko Zuna. He's out. He's in the ring. He's wanting a piece of The Undertaker. Should be no big deal because you can almost feel the power emanating from The Undertaker. You should be able to deal with Yoko Zuna in a, <laughs> no time at all here. Um, Vince says, we've got a match after the match. And just, what a load of rubbish is going on here. Yeah. Undertaker, he's now readying himself to fight Yoko Zuna. And he, and, he, and he hands the urn off to Paul Bearer. You keep this, Paul. Look after this. It's took me months to get this back. It's the source of all my power, Paul. Guard this with your life. Now, Daft, keep <laughs> this urn safe. You got it, Paul? Right, good. I'm going to go fight Yokozuna. So, <laughs> as he's readying himself to fight Yokozuna, Bearer, he starts making some comedy faces. He's clutching the urn like Dick Dastardly had finally caught the pigeon. He's, he's, he's elated here, is Paul Bearer. He's celebrating. He's holding it up. I've never seen him happier. And, and caution has now been thrown completely to the wind here. It's been picked up in the twister as caution, and it's now several hundred miles down the road. Bearer has completely missed Mabel making his way around the ring. The largest man on the roster has gone completely undetected, flown completely under the radar. Mabel twat Bearer. Grabs the urn and makes for the exit, replicating the classic Jimmy Hart slash Alan Shearer one arm raising <laughs> celebration running style as he goes. Undertaker, he shows no interest in the well being of Bearer, and I, I would be pretty annoyed at Paul Bearer if I was the Undertaker as well <laughs> um, at this point, so fair enough. And, and he sets off after Mabel. He walks, bizarrely. If he was yeah, desperate to get the urn back that much, he might have ran. About him, is he? Yeah, no, no. It's, uh... I, I cannot imagine Mabel is, you know, the most sharp across the ground so maybe a bit of pace might have done you some good here Undertaker but nevertheless I digress uh, there we have it Raw signs off with some petty theft and Undertaker was that so close to having his power up back Well, now let's see what we all made of Raw. Liam, what were your Raw ratings builders? Builders list this week for Raw at the very top. Number one has got to be The Undertaker. Uh, great to see him competing on Raw once again. An absolute class act who just deserves better storylines than <laughs> having to, to deal with Mabel and Mo. He's totally wasted at the moment here. Uh, but he's he does. He does deserve the recognition because uh, by far the best thing on this uh, on this program this week. At number two, I'm going to go Triple H. Um, quite a short match, but again, I'm just acknowledging uh, people who were entertaining. I would like to tune in next week and watch. Spot on. At number three, I've gone for Watanabe and Anui with their tributes to Marty Jannetty. You know, clearly <laughs> massive fans. They they donned the tassels this week in tribute to Jim's hero. So you know that was that was good to see. Brilliant Lovely. stuff. Well, my builders are... Build number one, the women's tag match. 
there were some absolutely lovely sequences and spots on show here. Properly entertaining match. Could have watched another 10 minutes of it comfortably. Build number two, Triple H once again. A real nasty, authoritative squash from him here. This is how to do a squash match. He hasn't put a single foot wrong so far as Triple H, apart from when he intentionally did so on Godwin's slop. And builder number three. <laughs> Inui's Mizuno wrestling boots. Did you see these things? They were fucking amazing. Why are more wrestlers not wearing these Mizuno wrestling boots? They look incredible. Just me then. Jim, <laughs> what were your raw ratings builders? Build number one. I've got the women's tag match, in particular Aja Kong. You know, I thought the Japanese wrestlers didn't mess about. Loads of punches and kicks that looked fucking nasty, and Kong mm-hmm. worked well as the physical force in there. Yeah. But add the athleticism to actually do stuff as well. So, yeah, I much prefer her to, to a Mabel or a Yokozuna, for example. Uh, Builder number two, well, I didn't like the, 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 the gubbins, the, the, the mountains of gubbins surrounding the urn. Uh, <laughs> it's always cool to see an in-prime Undertaker in action. Yeah. And... Uh, building number three was the Ahmed Johnson match. I liked how they didn't they didn't have him wrestle a total jobber as I mentioned, and him tossing around body dodder in training. Rad Radford was particularly impressive to watch. Liam, what were your raw ratings killers? I mean, this this took a, a split second to decide. At number one, it's got to be Brother Love. <laughs> Utter madness from Raw to get this guy on. I think I hate him more than Mongo already, uh, just from this one appearance. <laughs> I mean, what the wrestling world is crying out for is another gimmick that excessively says brother. So, you know, Raw's fulfilling that need. Uh, just awful. It's just a, a massive waste of the uh, of the show. Just, from start to finish, it was it was terrible. Yeah. Number two on the killers list, Bob Backlund. Um, <laughs> what is he doing here? Why, why is he this close to the heavyweight championship? I've not. I've no idea. There's so many more other people you can uh, get Bret Hart involved with here. Especially the British Bulldog who's uh, involved in the uh, the main event uh, in your house uh, next month. So there's no point starting a feud with Bob Backlund if if, if it's not going to go anywhere. You know, you've got four weeks till till the pay per view. Yeah. Build some heat. You surely should have learned from your ways. I've got a limit. There's probably no point starting a feud with Bob Backlund at all. Is there? Even he's going to go <laughs> well, exactly. He should be nowhere near this. Getting back in the crowd um, <laughs> where he where he belongs. Um, and then number three, I've gone for the, the main event, especially when you have the competition serving up main events that include Sting, Luger, the, the, the horseman. Okay, you've got, you've got Taker involved, but Sir Mo uh, and this, this, this power of the earn nonsense um, yeah. is making it look quite laughable, to be honest. Uh, so the main event has to go on, on the killer's board. Fair enough. It's over to me. My killers were killer number one, the comms during the women's match. No, no more needs to be said. Just atrocious. Get in the bin. Awful. Killer number two. The HBK solemn injury treatment where everything is as morbid and morose and sad as possible. And killer number three. The Bob Backland incident. Couldn't put it any better than you did, Liam. Atrocious. What is this? Poor Bret Hart. Jim, over to you. What were your raw ratings killers? The Bret Hart promos, killer number one. Everything from the... Just the shite music playing in the background, brother love being irritable and always meant to be, but still, yeah. just fuck off. <laughs> I can't handle how long and meandering every talking segment he's involved with is, and yeah. and then just at the end getting getting dominated by Bob Backlund was just just crazy. Killer number two is the post match shenanigans with Undertaker and the Urn. If he has to have the Urn, make it a focus. There's just too much jumping around. Continue things on a weekly basis. Do you know what I mean? It yeah. would be very helpful to everybody. 
<laughs> and finally, killer number three is Vince McMahon. He was he was coming out with with all manner of all manner of tripe here, and yeah, just just absolutely all over the place. Well, having let all of that sink in, I'm going to need a therapist at this rate. Let's see which show we thought deserved to win the ratings battle this week. Liam, over to you first. Which show did you think deserved to take the gold? Uh, easy decision for me this week. Um, it's, it's got to be Nitro. Uh, Raw's, I think that's the worst episode of Raw that we've had so far. <laughs> I think it was that bad. Um, from, from, there was one or two you know, bright moments you know, that, that, that we've highlighted, but... Uh, they were nowhere near, nowhere near uh, the level Nitro set this week, so it's yeah. got to be Nitro. Lovely stuff, Jim. Same question to you. Which one gets the nod from you? Um, I'm going raw. <gasps> Are I'm going you? Raw. I am. I am. Wow. Uh, I'll tell you why. Go on. Because on Nitro, it's just it was just Hogan, 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 which is always going to detract from the <laughs> overall quality of the show. And I thought on Raw they had one of the best matches they've ever put on. Um, since we've been watching anyway um, in the, the women's tag match which was really enjoyable so I'm going raw for those reasons fair enough well for me Nitro this week neither I didn't think were great shows but Nitro had me much more engaged I found I found raw women's match aside agreed Jim just flattened and I was really struggling to, to make it through this week so Nitro gets my nod Right, well, that's what we think. But what did the American public think in 1995? Let's open the golden envelope to find out what the ratings were. (laughs) Raw, 2.3. Nitro, 2.5. So we've had the same ratings two weeks running. Which means it's now five apiece on the Monday night scoreboard. What do you make of that, lads? Level pegging. Five goes west. <laughs> totally deserved, I think. Nitro. Yeah, me too. I agree. I agree. You know what to play for? Level the pegging flying, on the board. Aren't yeah, the really flying are. can't stop on a roll. Rich vein of form. Well, before we head off to start finding old Phantom of the Opera taker masks on eBay, don't forget to follow us on Twitter. We are at TMN Scores. Well, all that's left is to bid you a fond adieu, so it's goodbye from us all. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, this has been the Monday Night Scores. We kick off, and it's a little messy to begin with, a bit off the pace. Though they do settle in, and we see Hakutu execute a hanging headlock as she dangles Asaki in the hold as she's standing on the second rope. Not seen that she before. dangles Asaki. Class. <laughs> 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 Teabagging. Teabagging's got it. We kick off. 
We kick off and it's a little messy to begin with, though they do... <laughs> Shit. We kick off and it's a little messy to begin with, though we do settle in. Sorry, I'm going to have to just hide you. I can't do it. There we go. No, no, that's hidden Liam and Jim has remained. That is no help. <laughs> no, 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 right. <clears throat> we kick off and it's a little messy to begin with, though they do settle into it and we see Hakuto execute an absolute... You know, and we see Hakuto execute a hanging headlock. <laughs> Don't. Is she? I have to change it. I'm not gonna be able to do it. Is she? What's <laughs> <laughs> that? we had before. I know, but we, we, we keep dangles of sake. <laughs> See that? No. Hang on. Is she dangles? Is she dangles of sake? <laughs> Fuck. Is she? <laughs> right. Is she halted? Is she halted? <laughs> That's worse. That's worse. <laughs> oh, come on. Come on. <laughs> is she... Is she... Da- <laughs> Fuck me. Is she dangles a sake? Ah. Is she dangles a sake in the hold as she's standing on the second rope? Not... <laughs> <laughs> Acted. <laughs> the next line. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say <laughs> oh, The next line is. I'm not, just, I'm, just say anything. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not seeing that before. <laughs> Looked good. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear! I just thought of that fucking Roy Walker masturbating in front of a snake, right? <laughs> oh god! It's good, but it's not right. <laughs> oh come on! Right, all right, got it out now. That's, That's it. Funny.